Welcome to the Agency Builders Podcast, where in weekly episodes, Andre and Christian from the KnowledgeX team will provide actionable advice on how to build an agency business by interviewing guests who have already done it and who are currently doing it successfully. So if you're wanting to build an agency or if you're currently building an agency, be sure to sit back, relax, and enjoy the free value. What's up, guys? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Agency Builders Podcast. We're so happy to be here today with a longtime friend and guru, uh, Nick Mullen. Uh, Nick is the founder of Strategic Influence, an advertising agency that specializes in working with education-based clients. Nick, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. Glad to uh, catch up with you guys. Of course. Yeah. Likewise. Likewise. It's a great opportunity to, to share some content through the podcast and also catch up on uh, what you've been up to. So real quick, I know I briefly kind of introduced the audience to what you do, uh, but just give them your elevator pitch in case I missed any of the important pieces. Uh, if you have a high ticket coaching, consulting, mentorship program that is high impact and uh, is has a track record of changing lives, then, uh, you know, I, I help people like you get qualified booked appointments with your sales team um, through the art of advertising and marketing and funnels and stuff like that. So um, that's my elevator pitch. <laughs> nice. Nice. So obviously the premise of this show is talking about agency based businesses. So take us back to when you first got into uh, the agency world was it was strategic influence the first agency business you started and if so uh, what kind of drew you to starting an agency model business um yeah this is this is the first i guess quote unquote agency that i've started um it's definitely not the first business i've started um but this business i started almost midway through 2019 um i was a about to be a senior in college. And so I was in the middle of an internship for a company. So I was able to start like start applying some of the stuff that I was learning at the time um, to that company. And I was simultaneously starting to reach out to businesses that I thought I could help based on what they, uh, they had online, what they clearly were or were not doing. Um, and uh yeah. And ever since I've just kind of kept progressing and, and uh, getting mentors who've done what I, what I'm doing now and even further than what I'm doing now. And uh, um, yeah, the, the, the start, the start of this business was off the back of me doing e-commerce throughout college. Um, I was selling stuff online basically while I was in lectures and stuff like that. So by the time I was a junior um, or by that, by the time I started this current business, I was basically teaching my marketing professors about marketing, which is interesting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that I, that I answer your question properly. I don't know. Yeah, no, I want to change it there, but, um, good. yeah, it's kind of how it like came together. If that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, Andre and I are both in college and in the school of management at our school. And we can definitely say that the marketing department isn't exactly up to speed with the modern ways of work. <laughs> so that's definitely true. Yeah. Um, I feel like a, a, a big topic around, you know, agencies in general is just getting started. Like it seems so simple going from, you know, zero to one and actually having a business to run with. But I feel like a lot of people, that's a major 
uh, thing that's holding them back is just getting started. So what were some of the things you did initially to kind of get your agency off the ground and just, you know, take imperfect action, if you will? Yeah, that's a good point. So at the beginning, it's important to like, there's like two ways that you can, you can go about starting anything, whether you're starting a diet that you want to start on or starting a business, or starting an agency or whatever. Um, you can like try to learn all the things that you should know and then start, or you can start and then learn all the things you should know while you're taking action, which is usually the faster route. Um, while I was doing that internship that I was telling you guys about, like I, I would bring business cards. It was like a red business card. It said like Nick, Nick Mullen, marketing consultant, blah, blah, blah. I would on the drive back to my college where I was, where I was living, I would, I would stop at like restaurants and stuff like that and like walk in like totally like making a fool of myself, like super nervous. Um, I'd walk in and be like, Hey, is the manager here? I want to, I want to like see if I can help you guys get more people in, into the, into the spot. Right. And uh, I had no, I had no clue what I was talking about, but that started building the foundation for, you know, being able to take no for an answer, being able to get hit in the face multiple times in a row. Um, you know, foundations for how to sell, um, you know, how to, how to use your social skills and selling. And then um, honestly, that, that forced me to start learning how to be higher level at marketing and advertising, because when you walk into these types of businesses, you have to say something, right? Like you can't just walk in and like, say, Hey, I want to like help you get more customers. Like you have to start to like, there has to be some kind of like show of like, Hey, here's how I can do that for you. Right. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with you. You totally should just start and be totally willing to make a fool of yourself. Um, and the, the pieces will start to like fall. Yep. Whether you believe it or not. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. No, I think a, a misconception is that a lot of these big time people, like there's all kinds of big agency owners out there. They think, Oh, you know, when, when this guy got started, he must've been as good as he is now at what he does, but mm-hmm. that could be further from the truth. So, no. Nope. Uh, you went through the process of, you know, walking into restaurants, which takes a lot of guts and, and trying to propose your services to them. So what was the progression like going from that to, you know, signing your first, first handful or even your first client? Was it, were you doing free work to prove yourself? Were you starting on a tiny retainer and working up? Like, what was that process like to actually getting some revenue in the door? So I did a few deals like that where I worked for free, um, which never went well. Um, now, uh, there are certain instances where I would suggest that you can do that, but um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't dive right into that because it's usually a limiting belief that's causing someone to do that. Um, but I uh, my first client was five hundred dollars a month, and it was a total pain in the ass. Um, it was like I was like a life coach, plus a. Uh, plus a uh, salesperson, plus a everything, like everything, bro. Um, and so it was definitely necessary for me to learn that lesson. Um, but that, that was a big point, like a big learning lesson for me. Like the, a $500 per month client is much harder to service than a $5,000 per month client. Um, and I think that that's a lesson that is uh, that you can, you can accelerate past. Um, 
and not have to go through it as long as I did. Um, Cause I really was like a life coach for a while. And it was, it was, it was very interesting. Um, but it did it take me, it took me a few months to get my first uh, paying clients, but I basically just, dude, I, I just reached out to everybody. I got, a, I paid a mentor like 1500 bucks um, a few months into it and started like, Hey, like, how do I, how do I like provide a service? Like how do I um, find the right type of people to, to service? Cause I didn't know anything I was doing that. I didn't know anything back then. Um, and so looking back now, my awareness level was like totally different than my awareness level is now. Like just the simplest things that you and I can talk about as marketers. Like I had no, I did not understand like click funnels to the same extent, nearly to this, the extreme extent that I do now, things like that, how to properly talk on a sales call. Um, it was just a really pivotal moment to like build a foundation for just your awareness, I think. So yeah, really interesting points that you make. And uh, one one thing that we talk about a lot on the podcast too is uh, high ticket, right? Like basically, mm-hmm. and, and I think you brought up a great point saying a lot of it goes back to your limiting beliefs, like not thinking that your services are worth however much you're charging for. Or really, that goes a lot deeper to, to basically not, you not thinking you're worth it. So there's, there's a lot there that you learn through, like you said, actual professionals, uh, coaches, mentors, and people ha- who have actually went through that struggle. So I think it's mm-hmm. good for people to hear that because it's human to, to experience that, especially when you're first starting out. So you bring up a lot of good points there. Um, in terms of, in terms of when you were signing uh, some of these bigger clients, uh, you also mentioned that in the beginning, you were basically everything. You were their life coach, you were their marketer, you were their funnel expert. Uh, how yeah. did niching down further have an effect on, I guess, your growth trajectory in addition to what you already mentioned? Um, it's because you kind of, when you do the same thing, if you do like one specific thing and you like get really good at it, you kind of, kind of like become like a, a specialist in a way. Um, and that's not to say that you shouldn't have a good knowledge and a good ex, like you, you should actually have an expertise for the surrounding pieces. Like if we're talking about marketing, like email marketing, uh, some basic level automation, how funnels work, this type of thing. Um, but if there's that one thing that you really like sit down for two years and master then you'll be able to um, be a specialist. It's like a, it's like a surgeon, right? There's a very little amount of them, but they focus on one very specific thing. They, they walk in to the hospital, they, they do their little ding, 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 and they, then they go home, right? And they get paid a lot of money for that. Um, but it's a high stress, high reward thing, right? Like they, they went through so many years and they went through a, a large energy exchange to get to that point, right? So it's like a spectrum. It's like, you can choose where on the spectrum you wanna be. Um, you know, over here to the right of the spectrum, maybe you, you sell everything under the sun and you're just, you do everything and you're not necessarily a specialist in any, any of the, any of the, the things. Um, that naturally causes you to have to charge less and have a wider team and this kind of thing. Um, so that's, that's kind of my take on that. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I feel like if you specialize in one thing, 
you have the competitive advantage over, you know, some of these full service agencies. There's also a common um, limiting belief too, uh, of like, there are already people doing what I'm doing. And, and that's something that I feel like you have a lot of experience with, especially mm -hmm. because uh, at least when we were working together as, as a uh, client and agency or whatever, you were really specializing in Facebook ads. And there are, you know, hundreds of agencies that we could have went to that would do Facebook ads. Uh, so how, how did you manage that? And you're also in a mastermind group of other people that are running similar agencies. So like, what, what are yep. kind of your takeaways from being in an industry or in a market where there are also other specialists and how do you, I guess, how do you separate yourself? Um, that's a good point. So the way to separate yourself is, well, first of all, there's a lot of different people that run ads and, and do all these types of things. Not all of them service the same type of client. So that's one thing to keep in mind. And let's say, let's say we're only talking about the people that are in my industry, servicing my kind of clients, blah, 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 blah. Um, that comes down to the relationship that you have with your clients and the type of business person that you are. Um, and that's, that's the main thing, right? The way you can communicate with them. Um, and also understanding that online, like for example, my space is actually a growing industry. So like we need more people to come in to even be able to have the bandwidth to service properly. The amount of people that are in this space, whether you're in e-commerce or high ticket e-commerce or running ads for high ticket coaching programs or $500 courses, whatever, whatever. Um, there's more and more people coming into the space, which means that we need more people to master the art and the expertise of adver advertising. Um, and I will also add that not everyone, it's not like everyone is the same, right? That's why it's so important to master the thing that you want to do. Um, because there are like the top like 2% of advertisers know things that the bottom 95, 98% of, you know, advertisers don't know. And that's like, if you can, if you can get yourself into that top 5% or whatever, then that's where you have like some more authority. You know what I'm saying? 100 anything. It's like, yeah. that's why not everyone is in the NFL. Facts. It's the reality yeah. of business. Yep. We're in, we're in B2B lead gen. And a lot of people always say like, oh, you guys are entering like a saturated space. And it's like, no, we're not. Because first of all, like a lot of people we reach out to, first of all, have a need for it that's not met yet because they haven't worked with someone like us. And then two, we've met people that are like, oh, we're talking to a few different agencies. And, you know, some of them will choose us because of a distinct advantage we have, whether it's, you know, reaching out via LinkedIn and cold email or our personalization strategy. So it's like, even if, you know, on the surface, it seems saturated. There's so many businesses out there that need what you have to offer. And if you can find a way to, to separate yourself on one specific advantage, then there's a huge opportunity for you. And it's like, you don't need a million clients to do well. You need 10 to 12 clients to do really well. So yeah. I think and, and, and the other thing is like the, the fact of the matter is in this space, like if you have an agency or some kind of service-based business, like not every client relationship works out because of several different variables. Some you can control, some you can't control. Um, so like 
I can't count the amount of times that I've reached out to someone and they responded to my sales outreach with, Hey, like I've hired three agencies and it, I've never gotten results. That's a problem that needs to be solved. That's not a saturated market. That's a problem that has yet to be solved. Interesting. Okay. So right? like in that case, like, would you, do you, do you go harder for the clothes to try to differentiate yourself? Are they more hesitant to sign on with you? Like what, what do you have to say about people that run into those kind of circumstances? Uh, in terms, like if they have like a limiting belief behind it or something. Yeah, it's like, oh, I've heard about like three guys just like you. Like, why would I work with you? Like, what do you do in that case? Do you pitch hard for the, your, you know, distinct advantage? Do you give it a uh, I mean, some of them don't close. I'll right. be honest. Like, I mean, um, the one thing that you can do to, is you can show them the, the reason why it probably didn't work the last time. Right. Clearly, like you can ask them questions. Like if you can, if you can ask them important questions, that they can give you like numbers on and examples of like what they were doing before. And you can like point on a screen or like show them like, Hey, like this is the reason why that probably didn't work. Or like, this is the reason. And this is the reason why I bet that out of these three different things, this is the reason why it didn't work. Like if you can show that and show them that what we're going to do is this to remove that variable or to make that variable fixed before we start running ads for example then you know then that that trust is built then because they're like oh that makes sense right yep. so that's why okay. you have to master this stuff yep and then to build off of that like if you have a client on board and you know client relationships are dynamic you're supposed to be communicating all the time you know discussing failures and successes like what mm -hmm. do you do to really stay on top of your client relationships? Do you reach out to them daily? Do you hop on Zoom calls? Um, do you try to work with them to tweak different things? Like what do you do to make sure that your clients are happy and, and want to stay around? Yeah, this is very important um, because some things don't work right out the get-go, right right from the start. Like for example, today I, I sent a Loom video to one of my newer clients um, because I mean, we have, we've had a few purchases at, for their intro offer. Um, but we have a bottleneck on the advertising click-through rate and the cost of serving those ads, right? So I've had to make a few different tweaks and it's moving in the direct, right direction. Um, but I, I you know what Loom is? Yeah, I open up Loom, filmed a six minute video explaining, hey, here's where we're at. Here's the good news. Here's what we're still working on. Here's my plan to fix the bottleneck. Step-by-step, step, I said everything that what the plan was um, and I educated them on how to understand where we're at in terms of like why that's the bottleneck versus why is it not the checkout page that the bottleneck, right? And uh, it's very transparent. It's like, here, here's the bottleneck that I'm dealing with and here's how I'm going to attempt to fix it. And in 72 hours, if the CPM isn't or, or this, this and that aren't the case, I'm going to do another, another test and here's how I'm going to do it after you see. So it's, um, transparency and showing them that, you know, how to fix the problem is great for the relationship. Yep. Yeah. And I think a big takeaway from all of that is, um, just basically getting in front of the problems rather than the client reaching out to you saying, Hey, there's a problem here or I see an issue with this or with that, you really have to get in front of it and position yourself 
um, as an expert. Otherwise, you know, the client's not going to think that you're worth, you know, what you're charging. And another big takeaway from that Mm -hmm. as well is understanding early on that as soon as you, you get started with things, it's not always going to go perfect. Like you said, there's so many different variables at play with the different clients and the different products and the different workflows. Um, and I think that's one thing that a lot of people are, are that causes like the hesitancy with starting an agency is like the fact that they're going to have to test and tweak and that things aren't going to go as planned. Um, so I think that's like, I think that's even a skill set that you've probably mastered over time is just the willingness to test and tweak when you, when you see the need, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's when you're doing like, especially when you're doing like a done for you thing or you're doing something for somebody, um, you know, you have to be able to, um, you know, look at what's on the table from an objective lens and, uh, you know, approach it like an expert. Imagine if you like, I'll go back to the surgeon example. Like imagine if a surgeon, like literally in the like surgery room started like freaking out when like, you know, a stitch was like stitched strong or something like that. Right. Like the person might die. It's like, you know, so um, it's kind of the same thing, you know? Um, and if you, if you can look at the client with conviction and like I said, tell them like exactly like if you tell them like, here's why this isn't working and here's like exactly what I'm about to do to here's my action plan to fix that. Then they look at you as someone that has control over the situation. Yep. And that's what they pay for, right? You know, at the end of the day, they're paying for someone to control the situation that they're not the expert in so that they could do it, what they are, you know, an expert. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a belief and, and I've struggled with this a lot and maybe you guys deal with this too. Um, you know, a lot of times we, whether it's an agency business or any, anything like people self doubt, have self doubt about what they're selling and they think about, Oh, should I, should I, you know, lower my prices or should I do this? Or should you have those thoughts that pop up in your head? Right. Um, you know, you have to ask yourself a serious question. Like it's not, it's not just, especially in marketing, it's not just like, an outsourced marketing service that sometimes doesn't work. It's like, how many times does someone hire a marketing person and that doesn't work out? It's more likely that that's going to happen. So you shouldn't feel bad if, if a client relationship doesn't last, you know, longer than six months or something like that. It's like, think about how many people, how many people hire people and they last like a week, right? That talk that caused that, that, that take took money, that took time, energy, right? So it's 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 a reality of, of the universe that, you know, not everything's gonna work and some things won't work out of way, you know, so. Yeah, I have one quick follow-up. I know sure. Christian wants to ask a question, but before I lose this thought, um, like you bring up a great point that not all clients are gonna stick around. And like mm-hmm. you said, a lot of people are, really uh like they're they get down about that fact um but i think looking at it in a in a in a positive light of you're just basically weeding out people that you weren't able to help in the first place and making room for new opportunities of people that you could help in a much more impactful way is really the way to look at it um and a lot of people they don't look at it that way because they don't have their shit in place to 
to generate new leads and new opportunities in their funnel. So one question I have for you is, of course, there's going to be client churn and relationships aren't going to last. And as you mentioned earlier, some of that has to do with what you can't control and some of it has to do with what you can't control. Regardless, having new opportunities always available in your pipeline is like a really easy way to, to lower the stress levels when you do run into those scenarios. So what do you do uh, to keep your pipeline uh, always active with, with potential closing opportunities? Um, I follow up with people that are in my pipeline and then I fill the pipeline. And for those of whoever's listening, if you don't have any experience with sales, that might not make sense to you yet. The pipeline is just the step is it's like, um, you could think of it like having a, uh, you know, having a funnel that you would, that you would, uh, pour water through into a cup, right. In order for water to come out the bottom of that funnel, you need to pour water into the top of the funnel and then water makes its way down the funnel right? And you can put that funnel into sections. Okay. So I'm always working the people that are middle to close to the bottom of my funnel of my sales pipeline, you can call it. Um, and sending them things that are valuable to them. Um, and, you know, just fall, like literally following up with them, the money's in the follow up. And then, um, like I said, always filling the pipeline, always reaching out to new people so that, that there's no, um, there's no lack of water at any given time in the, in the pipeline, so to speak, if that makes sense. Yep. hundred <clears throat> percent. I don't know what the exact saying is, but it's like the second that you don't have an active sales pipeline is the moment that your business you know, falters. So it's definitely one of the most important parts. Uh, just one yeah. last question on my end. Um, it seems to me, I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you're kind of like a one man operation, I assume. Mm -hmm. Currently. Yeah. Gotcha. So I feel like a lot of people that want to start their own agencies typically don't have, you know, a partner or a couple of partners to go with. They just want to roll by themselves. So what advice do you have to them in terms of, you know, managing important activities every day, maybe delegating to a VA? Like, how do you manage your day-to-day -day operations without feeling too, too overwhelmed? Um, that's a good question. So uh, this is part of the reason why I only do certain things for clients. So I mainly just do advertising and consulting now because those are the two things that are highest leverage in terms of like input and output, meaning like the time and effort that I put into something and the, and the result that that, that input can generate. Um, so I don't write like, I don't, I don't write like, like 20 uh, email sequences, like email marketing sequences and stuff like that because the output is super low compared to the amount of hours that would take to write out 20 emails, right? Um, and so what I'm getting at is I, I don't wanna spend more than two hours a day in the ads manager. Um, and that gives me the opportunity to follow up with people, do any kind of other business admin stuff that I need to do. Um, and keep it super lean. I'm not saying I'm, I'm always going to be by myself because I do plan on having a lean agency, but also having copywriters and, uh, and, you know, media buyers on my team throughout the next few years, I'll be adding those in. Um, but my goal is to keep this super lean and super profitable so that I don't stretch myself too thin. Um, it's just, it's up to, it's up to the individual, what they, what they kind of want. You know, I like, I like the, the idea of running lean 
And if I have team members keeping only A players, um, you know, even if you have a VA, like it can, it can get pretty sloppy if you just have like, if you have three VAs that are kind of like C players, you can find it, you can probably find like an A player VA. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of like why I do it the way I do it. And it's just time management, um, you know, a lot of people like always stay in the ads manager, the, the ads manager um, for like hours and hours and hours, like looking at things, but that's a waste of time, you know? Um, so does that make does that answer your question? Kinda. Yep. hundred percent. That's okay. what we would say. Also just keeping it lean and, you know, profitable, like you mentioned without running yourself too thin and working for hours. Yeah. So love it. putting the least amount in to get the most out. Yep. Yeah. yeah in terms of the two most important assets, which are your time and, and your money. So that's super, right. super important. We take a similar methodology too. Like I feel like early on people are obsessing over the stats and over how the campaigns are going and they're spending all day trying to overanalyze things and making changes way too abruptly without letting things play out. And like you said, it's a waste of time. And it's also like kind of messing up the flow of the results that you would have come or that would have come or the data that would have been printed out if you kind of let things run that would have been super valuable so i think it's also a patience mm -hmm. game and just filling your calendar with high leverage activities outside of just obsessing over like the data so i think that's like something that yeah. people learn too later on is like there's a lot of other things you should be doing to move the needle and uh you kind of just set it and let it and and check in on it you know as yep. much as needed but not too much it's just finding the balance there um so that's all uh that's all great information it's cool too to see like you've been running your agency <clears throat> for almost two years now and a, a, a big thing in the agency space that i feel like is is overrated and over talked about and kind of over exaggerated is like basically outsourcing and delegating all of your tasks i think it's just a lazy way of doing things and i think a lot of people early on just have like this conception that an agency business is easy because I could start it. And once the concept's proven, I'll just have everyone else do the work. And I, for, at least from what I've seen, yeah. the, the people that are the most successful are the ones that are still in the business um, because it's just very hard to teach processes that you don't really have experiences with running in the first place. So I uh, just credit to you for, for sticking to it and actually putting in the work and, and being, you know, your own a player in, in a way for, for this. Yeah. Long. Yeah. I mean, I, I could, I think um, it's super important to like master something yourself first because there's not much weight. Um, there's not much weight uh, in trying to teach someone something that you haven't fully mastered yourself, you know? So uh, I don't even like, I, I, I have a lot to learn still with copywriting. I have a lot to learn still with media buying as everyone should. Um and so, you know, I just personally don't believe that I'm at a level yet where I can efficiently teach someone, right? When I'm still learning, um, you know, when I'm at a nine and I want to get to a 10 first, I just don't think it makes sense. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Andre, you want to move into lightning? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. You want to start it off? Sweet. Yeah, so the way we normally wrap up each interview is just a lightning round where we ask you, you know, a series of questions. It's the lightning round for a reason, but 
Uh, don't worry if you get stumped on a couple of these because a lot of people tend to, but uh, it's just meant I'm for- supposed to go. Am I supposed to answer as fast as possible? <laughs> if you want, uh, don't don't feel rushed though. So I'll start it off. So if the first one, uh, if you could send one tweet out that would be seen by every single user on Twitter, what would the tweet say? <laughs> yeah, this is, I can't uh, <laughs> think about uh, it. Damn. If I could send one tweet out that everybody on Twitter could see, what would it be? Is that the question? It's basically guaranteed that everyone on Twitter would see this. Tweet. Oh, wow. Um, shoosh. Hmm. I would send them, honestly, I would say, this might sound like woo-woo, but I would send them a link to a self-love meditation. Damn, that's powerful. Because self-love, without self-love, everything stagnates. Whether you're, you know, whatever your occupation is, especially the way you enjoy life, it's like, um, you know, if you, if, if, that's always the the priority because everything else works better when you love yourself first. Yeah. Well, send that to us, bro. <laughs> I have a couple of different ones. Sweet. Sure. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. That's powerful stuff. Uh, the next question in the lightning round, there's four questions. So you're, you're 25% of the way through, but the next one is uh, if we had you on for an interview uh, a year from now, just as like a catch-up interview, mm-hmm. what's one thing uh, you'd want to have accomplished by then uh, with your agency? A year from now? Um, uh, a year from now, I want to be doing 100K a month with no more than two employees. that's a selfish answer but no that's a great answer um so the third one is what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started with your current agency what do i know now that i wish i knew when i first started my agency um Oh, that's a hard question. Um, honestly, the fastest way, the fastest way to learn really, really fast is to charge more money and figure it out. I like that. I think I would say something similar too if I asked if I were mm-hmm. asked that question is raise your I prices. could I could give you a ton of different answers, but that I'll <laughs> give you that one. Yeah, raise your prices, even if you don't feel like you're ready yet. Yeah, even if you aren't ready yet. Doesn't matter. It's for the greater good of society because you're gonna become a master at something. Even if the client fails, it's uh it's necessary. Yep. For your own self self development. No, um, not for your own self development, for society. Because the only way for you to become the master at that thing and provide value in that space is by you accelerating the process of mastery. So you right? can deliver value quicker. Right. Imagine if there was just a, a bajillion agency owners uh, charging $500 a month. No one would be providing any value. There'd just be a bunch of like random crap going on. 
Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like second grade dating. You just swap out with everyone. There would be no there would be no <laughs> high level surgeons to save lives. Yeah. 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 No, that makes a lot of sense. That's a good answer. And just to go back, you said the answer of 100k a month or a year from now is selfish, but I think it's exactly what you said in the first answer, self-love. Well, it's also it's also you can't you can't you really can't make that much money unless you're providing a ton of value to the marketplace. I mean, there's a few, there's a few, uh, there's a few outliers of course, but, um, yeah, so it's not really, it's not really a selfish thing to make a lot of money. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's self-love, but it's, you know, it's a given that you have to be providing some kind of value to, to, you know, to get that return. Yeah. There's gotta be an actual exchange. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, all right. The last question of the lightning run pretty, this one's pretty simple. Um, it's just what are three software tools that your agency wouldn't survive without? Um, I honestly don't use that many software tools. Personally, are you talking about me as an agency or the client? You like I if just what for I have me. for you is like Loom, Facebook Ads Manager, you know stuff like that. Well, okay. Um. <laughs> I'm not going to include Facebook ads manager because that's not a software in my opinion. That's a, I guess it's a software. I don't know. Um, Zapier, especially now with the iOS 14 updates, um, Calendly or something similar or something similar to Zapier as well. Um, um, Me personally. And Zoom. Perfect. <laughs> You're on Zoom right now. Exactly. Yep. I feel like Perfect. those three are uh, necessity really for any agency owner. Yep. You need Zapier to automate workflows. You need Calendly to stay organized with your sales appointments. And you need Zoom to interact and interface with clients. It's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. Well, that was all the questions we have for you, Nick. Uh, well, the last question really isn't a question, but uh, where can our audience uh, follow you? and uh, continue to learn more about the work you do and, and even inquire about some of your services that you're offering. Um, just DM me on Instagram uh, at the Nick Mullen, T-H-E-N-I-C-K-M-U-L-L-I-N, not E-N, I-N. Um, I, have like a, I have like a homepage, landing page on my Instagram, but I don't really have like a, like a, fancy schmancy website because i don't really need one um but uh yeah it's probably the best way to, to reach out to me instagram perfect. perfect well appreciate the time uh it was great catching up as always you're doing oh, yeah. you're doing great things high level high level uh knowledge that you provided uh and it's just cool i think just knowing you for a while now just to see your your progression and, and how you've matured through the process. I think it's, you got a lot of big things coming. So it'd be cool to follow along yeah. and have you back you. on a year from now when you're, when you're at hundred K and, and when we're yeah. in Tampa in the apartment next door. So. Hell yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Take care, man. Hell yeah. Sounds good, bro. Hey guys, it's Andre again. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen into this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share it with a fellow agency builder. If you'd like to continue the conversation, be sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Andre Heichel Jr. 
And finally, if you need further help building your agency, visit our website at www.knowledgex.us. See you next time.